Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Pounding the Table. We are joined here today with Kevin Sang from Amex Ventures. Kevin's been with Amex for about 12 years, leading their consumer services and enterprise capabilities, as well as their portfolio management function. Before joining Amex in 2011, Kevin was part of the Diversified Industrials Investment Banking Group at RBC Capital Markets, where he focused on M&A. So Kevin, welcome to Pounding the Table. Thank you so much for having me. Could you just give us a, a quick background? Obviously, you mentioned you were at RBC prior to joining Amex. Can you just share a little bit about the journey and over the past 12 years, how things have changed given your role as well as Amex Ventures as a whole? Yeah, no, would be happy to. And I'll probably start with kind of piggyback the, the bio that you gave. So as you mentioned, I, I started in investment banking covering industrials, really was looking for this, you know, getting this foundation within finance. And while there's a lot of great businesses and in industrials, the types of businesses I was working with were companies like welding equipment, building products, industrial cleaning, great businesses, but it was hard for me to like personally relate to and get excited about. And so when I was finishing up my banking tenure, I was looking for something different that I could kind of was a bit more tangible for me as a consumer. And I was um, lucky enough to find an opportunity at Amex when I was looking for new roles. And I just thought it was a great, great business to join. I had known at the time that they had like, this really great brand and this great credit card product, but that was really what I had known. And candidly, I've learned a lot more since then. But what I liked about it is that the payment space like has this level of complexity to it, but it also wasn't this like overwhelming breadth. Like you could spend a decent amount of time and like learn who all the big players were. And when I joined, I got to the opportunity to work on the corp dev team initially and then moved to the ventures team in 2015. And it's been, been this like incredible journey. A lot of the startup innovation that has occurred over the last uh, 12 years since I've joined the company. I would say the other piece I learned along the way too was really just the membership piece of Amex, which really makes our product special. We're really thinking about all the different benefits we offer in travel and dining, entertainment, and really expanded the breadth of what we get to look at and really kind of like circle back to that original, you know, ethos of wanting to find products that really resonated for me as a consumer. So, you know, from that perspective has been a really um, great ride as well as I think the team has been a great journey as well. I think when we started, it was a little bit more of a jack of all trades and we kind of increasingly specialized over time as we've been able to really build out this great platform. I was going to ask around the corporate VC versus VC. So could you just give a, a quick background? I know we typically talk about the public markets, obviously VCs, we've been bringing on a lot more as people are looking for that next IPO. But could you share a very high level, the CVC versus a VC perhaps some restrictions or how that may differ from traditional venture capital? Yeah, no, happy to talk about that topic. I think for us, the CVC role has become increasingly popular in a lot of enterprises for a handful of reasons. Ultimately, I think a lot of them, including us, are really focused on the innovation that comes from being able to interact with this ecosystem of startups that are just really building really exciting new products and capabilities that as you mature as a company, you're just time the share kind of mind share kind of shifts over to running the products as opposed to like experimenting with new technologies and new ideas. And at Amex, we think yeah, that continuous innovation and improvement is really important to us. And so really the CBC arm is really meant to act as a vehicle to kind of help tap into that and form great partnerships with exciting startups that have the potential to scale. So when we differentiate our mandate, I'd say like, yeah, if you're a traditional VC, you're really focused on helping these founders and um, really focus as your LPs on the back end and driving those investment returns. For us, we have a dual financial mandate and strategic mandate. And so 
we will be very thoughtful on making sure we're trying to get venture-like returns. Ultimately, I think that is strategic by design because if these companies don't grow to become really big, impactful companies that develop lots of great products, then it's going to be less strategic um, as well, as well as really helping drive that strategic um, benefit to the bigger enterprise of, you know, interacting with these founders, finding really compelling ways to partner with them as they kind of innovate in areas that are relevant to us. And are you guys making the investments and, and letting them operate on their own? You, you mentioned you're not maybe as in the weeds, but uh, are you guys looking to do M&A on the companies you invest in ultimately from a high level or it's case by case basis? Yeah, no, it's a good question. And I like a yeah, really relevant one for the industry that we work in. I would say that you know, our primary focus is worth making these non-controlling investments in startups, which will continue to operate as independent companies. When it comes to the M&A piece, we don't treat it as a kind of funnel for our M&A pipeline, though it does happen from time to time. And I guess to like kind of wrap numbers around that, we made about three acquisitions from our portfolio of we actually just hit our 100th investment quite recently. So that kind of gives you a sense of the scale of the amount of times that that happens. And when it happens, I think it's a good testament to the model, but it's certainly not our kind of going in procedure. And I think when we underwrite the opportunities, we really underwrite them with the like a few different scenarios and we would definitely want kind of a successful independent one to be amongst that. In your opinion, what are the most significant emerging trends in the world of consumer services and enterprise capability investments? Sure, probably focus a little bit more on the consumer side. I think if we kind of wind the clock back a few years, there's been this, and I guess it's, it seems obvious now, but really the, the adoption of mobile, how much we do on our phones, the way we spend have services done, access and communicate with each other has changed a lot. And so I've definitely been following those trends as well as seeing all the investments that we've made that support all that. I think as we move into a new phase, we'll be trying to see what big categories of areas that consumers will adopt. I think I look a lot at the kind of generational relevance of our business as well as thinking about where we're acquiring a lot more Gen Z millennial car members and thinking about the different ways that they travel or consume entertainment, where their attention is, who they interact with. And so definitely looking for trends and businesses that are innovating and supporting those areas. That's great to hear. I've been reading a lot of research notes. I've been noticing a trend that's happening where it's public now that consumers are going through a belt tightening phase and that might get carried over next year. So do you anticipate more consolidation within this sector? Or industry next year, as it is already such a competitive sector where there's so many different companies doing a little niche against one another, but not one company doing everything. So it seems like the best kind of industry for consolidation, such as like how cybersecurity is kind of going through this year. Yeah, I think uh, when I take a step back about the kind of overall landscape, there's been a lot of startups that have been funded over the last five or so years during this really big period for venture capital and startups. The world is changing a little bit. I think you could just look at some of the trends overall, overall VC funding. And so there will probably be, and I don't want to say that I can definitely predict the future, but when we're looking at seeing uh, what could happen, I think there certainly could be some consolidation of businesses that are complementary to each other as they try to find paths to scale, which are a bit more creative as they may have a different level of access to capital than they had for the last number of years. 
I have a question kind of getting into more of the portfolio management function of, of what you're doing. And I would love to talk about some of your most recent investments in Blackbird Labs, uh, Not, Chef, Wonder, Cardless, right? They go over a few different segments here. I would love to first get into some of those and then understand you as the portfolio management function, you know, how that may differ from your days as, as analysts or some folks in your team that are doing more of the in the weeds digging into these investments. Yeah, maybe I'll tackle them separately. I'll do the portfolio manager one first and see started and end it with that one. No. I think that's been a fun journey with me because that's almost like part of a career journey for me on the team. I would say when we when I joined the company, we had a very small portfolio. Um, I think a uh, single digit number of investments. We're a big public company and we need to be able to manage our uh, reporting responsibilities there. And as I've been on the team, really got to grow with it. And now that we've been, as I mentioned, I think, that we've had over a hundred investments. Now the scale of that job changes and how do we figure out a very scalable way to manage this portfolio for the company and make sure we're doing it in a coordinated way. And so that's just been a fun challenge and journey for me as I kind of grown with the team and had the chance to kind of build that operation effectively and then now leading it with the team under me. When you kind of mentioned the, the breadth of the different companies we've invested in, so I'll kind of segue into that piece. You know, I think there is a few overlapping areas that you mentioned, and then maybe a few distinct ones. So I'll try the, the ones that I can. I think there is a few of them that you probably have seen that were in the dining space. So Blackbird Labs, Wonder. When it comes down to it, Amex and dining have a long history together. And if you kind of also kind of wind back the clock, you can think of how we have a concierge service that probably has been around, which has been around for quite a while. People calling in you know, to get reservations to tables. But that's kind of an evolution for the company as we ended up acquiring Resi and really uh, strengthened our kind of position there. You know, as we look to the future, really trying to find ways of new technologies that can either augment that or kind of create new types of um, offerings in the space. And so those two companies are a little bit different. Blackbird is a hospitality technology company that is helping create more direct relationships between restaurants and their diners as a way to help incentivize and drive loyalty. I think when I think about the macro trends behind some of that, it's really just this idea of how do you know your customers better? And as we kind of have gone through this very digital uh, world and bringing that to the offline world and really trying to strengthen the restaurant businesses and, you know, Amex is a closed loop business. So that means we have relationships with both consumers and merchants, which would be restaurants. Finding ways to be able to support both is a really exciting proposition. Um, and a great company that we were excited about to invest in, as well as the fact that it was um, founded by Ben Leventhal, who happens to also be uh, the former CEO of Resi. On Wonder, um, they're bringing, uh, they're pioneering a new category called Fast Fine. So that's, that's really been a fun evolution. Is that's really a tier above fast casual. You can think of kind of the way innovation in the food world has gone. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Founder, but McDonald's and great fast food yeah. standardizing that process and that. You know, as we've kind of grown, uh, you've seen this evolution of fast casual companies that really took some of the ethos of that, but really took it to another level, but kind of topped out a certain category of, of food as wonders kind of really spent a lot of time in R&D kind of doing, um, re-engineering the food and making great food more available. Um, they're really creating this really interesting dining concept that we we're excited about and invested in. Real quick before Shai, you, you go, obviously COVID happened and, you know, there's it, kind of this looming 
potential that it could happen again and it's ongoing. Maybe it's an annual type of a thing. You're just talking about dining and things like that, where dining was kind of closed off. I live in New York and a lot of that was closed down. Shy's in LA, he, he knows the same situation there. And so how have you guys been looking at that? And like, how far out do you guys, you know, I, I don't know how you can predict something like that, right? But yeah, how has that impacted the business overall? Yeah, I think for us, we don't necessarily track it specifically to like the next COVID, but the company is in a really good job of preparing for different scenarios. And so I don't think we'll be able to predict exactly what the next major event looks like, but being able to react quickly as a company, I think is what we try to aspire to and be able to have the right plans in place to figure out, you know, what we'll be able, what we'll do and how we'll take care of our customers and our business and colleagues at the same time. I don't think any of us predicted it and hopefully won't have another one. But I think when we think about these kind of like black swan type events, it's really about being a, a nimble company and trying to prepare and having good principles on how to operate in these environments. Decent chunk of our portfolio and it's primarily on SMBs. And I've noticed on the portfolio for Amex, there's a decent amount of SMB related companies. So have you noticed any kind of high level trends of we've been in an enterprise recession for almost a year, maybe even longer, and SMBs have been hit the hardest out of any of them. Have you noticed any kind of trend of that bottoming and potentially getting some green shoots in the past couple of months of data you've seen or aving? You can provide us insights on something changing. Yeah, I don't know if I have the metrics specifically around small business, but I can speak to how small business at Amex is a big part of kind of our ethos and supporting small businesses and some of the big kind of anchor events we have around that, like Shop Small. I think it's been important. And as you know, that we've made a lot of investments in this space. I think we've been excited about the technology that can support small businesses to what they do better. I think when I think of the trends in the world that I get excited about, it's really about bringing things that can help support their businesses and help them do what they do better. And where in the past, there's there a lot more technologies that was only available to enterprise, but with kind of the advent of cloud and more standard approaches to developing uh, new offerings, I think we've been able to see a lot of kind of technologies that have served them well and hopefully can help support that ecosystem. So shifting gears just slightly, you know, it's anyone that's been watching the crypto markets uh, this past week, Bitcoin, there's a lot of noise about the spot ETFs potentially coming on board and things like that. So as that excitement and FOMO kind of kicks in here, I don't know how involved you guys are in any crypto or blockchain type of companies, but would love to hear how Amex is, is potentially getting involved either now or in the future in that space. Sure. Yeah, so we have a few members in our team that spend a lot more time focusing on blockchain and Web3. They don't want to speak necessarily for them. But I would say that our team is always excited about new technology and the potential it can hold. Going back to Blackbird, their platform actually is a Web3-enabled platform where they do use blockchain in what they do. And part of their, their business involves using NFTs and memberships for the restaurants. I think we're excited about interesting applications of this technology that can touch into like the elements that I mentioned around travel, dining, entertainment, in different ways that those connections can help create value. Um, and so I think really applications in that space are certainly interesting in the potential for founders to create new uh, opportunities that could be relevant for us or always things we're on the lookout for. Yeah, I think given your portfolio, it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I never really understood the pictures of the cats. You know, a lot of people have said, <laughs> what does that actually do? But 
when I went to NFT week here in, in New York, I was able to get like a free beer and then I got like free food when I went and I was like, okay, this kind of opens my eye to this, like looking at it more of like a membership and thinking of dynamics, just the nature of your business and everything. That seems uh, r- really interesting. One question kind of going back to you as a, a portfolio manager, right? Like we think about it, portfolios, these public companies that we're investing in, you know, we always make this analogy to a bonsai where you want to have the core of like really strong stocks. And at the very top, you can have some of these home runs or strikeouts potentially. So as you guys are building your portfolio, are you guys taking some of these moonshots or are you guys thinking of it as like a actual stock portfolio or more of kind of the VC and hope that a few of them do end up making it really big to cover some of the maybe not as successful ones? Yeah, I think inherent in kind of the VC business model, we recognize there's going to be some that don't make it. And that's just the risk of starting a, a startup business. And so, as you mentioned, we will be looking to have companies that have outsized returns that help offset that. I think the other dynamic in the kind of VC world is that you're not having that same ability to like kind of enter and exit positions. So we're typically holding to an exit event. And with that, kind of component in it gives you a little bit less, less flexibility, but we certainly spend time in the looking at our portfolio where we have invested. How do we make sure we have good exposure to the trends that we're seeing and are exciting to see growth from, as well as how we best support the enterprise for Amex? Um, since we are CVC and we want to be able to really help accelerate that innovation in different parts of our business. And so making sure we have consumer companies, just be companies, enterprise software companies. And by doing so, we actually end up having a bit of a more diversified portfolio as well. That's right. Yeah. So my question is going to be more travel related. So I, I think this quarter is going to be really important on a lot of companies who's kind of uh, very vulnerable based on like consumers traveling less potentially. I know like in an hour or 30 minutes, we're about to get Google's earnings and 20% of their search revenue is usually travel related. So we're going to get some kind of high level insight on like how consumers are pivoting. But I was wondering if you can provide us a high level of trends that you notice from travel-related consumer spend. Sure. I think, yeah, for us, we, we definitely spend a lot of time thinking about travel. I think we, because of our kind of venture seat, it's less on that quarter to quarter and more like short, medium, long-term, like bifurcation of different trends that we look at. I think we, we're seeing a lot of younger consumers that are just really embracing travel and really looking for premium experiences that they can enjoy. I think, especially when I kind of go back to that generational relevance, I think the way that people look at travel, people have been much more kind of exploratory in their in their worldview. And I think we're excited about that. I think the different types of experiences people look for, having local experiences, different types of stays, and not necessarily sticking to traditional hotels, I think we've gone a bit on this pendulum of kind of remote work and kind of return to office, but I think there will probably be some increased persistent level of kind of leisure travel, as they would call it. And so if you are working and traveling, what do you need while you're doing that? And so we're certainly watching trends on the types of you know accommodations or ways that people will kind of adjust their travel and make sure they have everything they need to kind of combine those um, pieces of their trip. I guess some fun questions we can ask because we've been uh, drilling in a lot of your investments and Amex as a whole, but I don't know if you've had an opportunity to to do a lot of traveling. We like to always ask, you know, the favorite place you've ever gone or favorite restaurant, some 
a little insight for someone that has a lot of opportunities to go explore the world and different restaurants. So we'd love to hear that as well. Sure. But yeah, I actually got to go on my honeymoon this past summer. So I was in Greece in June and it was my first time there. And it was just amazing time. I spent time in both Athens and the Mykonos. Definitely got to have some good food. It's interesting, some hole-in-the-wall seafood spots that I got to enjoy. And I just kind of discovered search tools online. And that was definitely a highlight for me. I hope you used all your points on your honeymoon. That was the original plan, right? <laughs> Suck, sucking them up. You mentioned a few things that you're kind of excited from a thematic level, but any particular companies or themes that maybe you could share some insight with our listeners that they may not be thinking about when they're just Googling whatever they're they're looking up, perhaps some insight you could share on just like some big themes that you think in the next three to five years will really take off. We're certainly looking at new technologies at, that can help consumers. I won't go too deep into this, but I think we are watching all the trends around AI as well. And so new platforms that are doing that and helping consumers in ways that they didn't have before. And so I think there are a lot of trends around lifestyle elements that are interesting. They are still early days. And so I think we'll want to make sure the company is interacting uh, in a way that helps stay true to our brand of kind of trust and security. But we are excited about the potential that some of that new technology can have and can hopefully benefit consumers in their everyday life. And then one more question, just because I, I thought of it, and we we asked uh, the last VC as well. For those listening, they have a startup idea. They really want to get in front of VCs. I don't know if Amex operates similar to Alicorp, and they were mentioning, you know, realistically, you kind of have to know someone that will then make an introduction to you guys. Would you say Amex operates similar? Or do you guys have people on the ground or someone wants to send a, a deck to you guys, is that ever going to get through to to the team? What uh, recommendations or tips would you give to yep. people out there listening? Sure. Yeah, no, I actually got to listen to your chat with Marshall and like the soft intro certainly is a stronger way in. But I would say because Amex has like uh, very specific areas that are important to us, I think reaching out to us and there will be, of course, a filter that comes through and so not everything will get through, but it's definitely not a zero chance. I would say when you are doing that, making sure you're putting your best foot forward, you think about it as a first impression and if you're meeting someone for the first time and like how do you share it in a way that's efficient and grabs people's attention because there is a lot of volume on that side. But I, I think there, people should feel free to to share what they're interested or working on with us. Well, Kevin, thank you so much. Uh, Kevin Sang with Amex Ventures, obviously a very incredible legacy brand that everyone knows and loves. And so... Really appreciate getting your thoughts here today on Pounding the Table and best of luck with all of the investments moving forward. Thanks so much for having me today. Awesome.